It's Thursday, January 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Tim Byers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. We got a big day. We got Tesla, Facebook, and Apple. But let's just spend a couple minutes on the story of the day, which is, of course, the story of the week, and that is GameStop. Uh, you know, as the GameStop turns, the new soap opera, early in the trading day, the shares were up nearly 40%. And as of this moment, uh, let's call it 11.35 in the morning on the East Coast, shares of GameStop down 60%. Uh, this, you and I were talking this morning, and we could spend the next 30 minutes talking about this. We're not going to, but... But it, it, this really is one of those real life, um, it affects everyone in the sense that it is the story that absolutely everyone is talking about in the stock market. So in that regard, it does affect all investors. And the lesson here for everyone, and fortunately, if like you and me, you don't own shares of GameStop and you're not shorted, you hopefully let the lesson soak in uh, the easy way, which is, Please be careful out there. Yes. Uh, I, I love that. I love the Hill Street Blues uh, callback there. Please be, please be careful out there. Absolutely. The thing I want to reiterate here, Chris, and you're right. We talked about this earlier. I fear that there's going to be some investors out there or traders, and hopefully none of our members, but I could see the temptation for this, that you look at a stock that you own or could own, you say, this sucker is really heavily shorted. Well, this is a gold mine. Don't I just want to buy stocks that are heavily shorted? Because at some point, the short squeeze is coming, and then I'm, I'm, I'm Scrooge McDucking my way into you know a new whatever. And I would say, Again, please be careful here because history has a way of reminding us that the market always adjusts. As soon as that strategy works, I guarantee it will not work in a very short period of time. The only thing that's proven to be timeless is if you stick in the market with quality companies for a long period of time, you are very likely to win and win really, really big. Let's move on to companies reporting earnings. Apple's first quarter report was full of superlatives. $111 billion in revenue. That's the biggest ever. In percentage terms, sales in every one of Apple's product categories rose double digits. And yet, shares of Apple down a couple percent today. Go figure. Go figure. I mean, so right, so much for you know the market being logical, rational, the, any sort of I, use whatever superlative you like here. I'll just say this is madness because, and, and maybe the reason here, Chris, is that Apple has been on such a tear. And let's remember that it's a two trillion dollar plus market cap. And so maybe you have some investors saying like, okay, I'll, I'll take a breather here. But the numbers are incredible. And I'll just, you know, the one that I really want to point out here, iPad revenue. iPad, is this like, that's the product that I think amongst all of the Apple products, we kind of forgot like, oh yeah, they make these things called iPads, up 41%. 
41%. That's incredible here. So overall, I mean, the big driver here is still, and we should be clear about this, $65 billion in revenue. Um, That was up 17% year over year for the iPhone. That's due to the iPhone 12. The iPhone 12, I think, is an unqualified hit here, uh, Chris. But I'll, I'll also just mention the Mac revenue. Which is by comparison only eight point let's call it eight point seven billion, but that was up twenty one percent year over year. Apple getting into the business of making its own chips, the M1 chip here, that's a draw. That is clearly a draw to Apple's Max. I think both laptop and desktop, I, I think they've given that line some new life here. So yeah. Apple overall with revenue up 21%. Here's something I didn't think I was going to be talking about today, Chris. You know, Microsoft's revenue, and, and Microsoft had a great quarter by all, by all measures. Microsoft revenue was up 17%. And Microsoft has been blowing the doors off of Apple recently. Not this time. Not this time. Apple up 21%. Uh, give Tim Cook a lot of credit here. This was a blowout quarter for Apple. And below the headlines, one of the things that stuck out to me is, and this, and this I think speaks to, among other things, Tim Cook, uh, his leadership, and in part his patience. Uh, you look at the other products segment line, and this is things like the Apple Watch, Beats, AirPods, that sort of thing. Revenue was just a couple of bucks short of $13 billion in the quarter. And you think back a few years to the launch of the Apple Watch, let's just say there were mixed reviews, and the first couple of quarters, Apple got dinged a little bit um, in the analyst community and financial commentary in terms of like, well, you know, what are they doing here? It's all about the, why are they just plowing more money into the iPhone? But we've talked about this before. One of the things that Apple's enormous cash balance affords them is the ability to say, you know what, we don't. This doesn't need to be a hit right now. We, yes, we would love it if it was if everything we created was a hit right out of the gate. But the things that we believe in, we can afford to iterate, improve them, take our time a little bit. And there was a point in time where the other product segment, you know, was was pretty meager. Thirteen billion dollars in ninety days. That's not meager. No, it's it's definitely not, and it is now the number two reporting segment for Apple, which is which is amazing. And let's just be clear about what that includes. That is iCloud. That is the uh, Apple Plus uh, product family. This is like the Apple Fitness Suite. It is Apple TV Plus. It's extraordinary in a way that what Apple has been trying to do, and it seems like they're having some success here. I mean, the numbers certainly suggest it, that if you are in on an Apple product, you are increasingly interested in adding more Apple products into your life and buying into the whole ecosystem. That's what that service services business represents, and it being up 24% year over year means you you've got... Um, I mean, this is the next generation. We used to call ourselves, if you were a big Mac user, you used to call yourself a Mac addict. There are some Apple addicts out there, Chris. I, I think it's happening. On the face of it, Facebook's fourth quarter report was kind of what you would want to see if you're a shareholder. Uh, profits and revenue came in higher than expected. 
for Facebook. That news is taking a backseat to CEO Mark Zuckerberg being very direct on the call about Facebook's relationship to Apple and saying in no uncertain terms, Apple is our primary competitor, talking about the privacy changes that, that Apple is implementing. And not that I thought he was being um, unduly cagey in the past, but I really like that Mark Zuckerberg is just uh, being plain spoken and saying, oh yeah, no, this is, <laughs> this is who we're going up against. And not only that, um, Tim Cook has been, I, I think we could say fairly blunt with his assessment of privacy and lack of privacy when it comes to Facebook and other platforms. This is the first time I've heard Zuck say, look, you know, I hear you, Tim Cook, but can we talk a little bit about what you're doing here? And, and here's what he said. The quote is, Apple may say they're doing this to help people, but the moves clearly track their competitive interests. In other words, saying like, hey, Tim, can we just call a spade a spade here? You're coming after us. You are increasing privacy controls in iOS 14. And that's because you don't want us to profit on ads the way we've been profiting and on, on iPhones. And he's not wrong. You know that's the thing. Zuckerberg is not entirely wrong here. Now you could make an you could make a case that what Apple is doing with iOS 14 and how they're they're in, inserting some new privacy restriction. I'm sorry, privacy controls. Um, you could say they're doing this for altruism's sake, but I think Zuckerberg is saying let's call a spade a spade here. Um, Apple wants to control their ecosystem, and to say otherwise is to be disingenuous. I agree with you, Chris. I give him credit in in this area. One uh, data point I wanted to ask you about, uh, and this is this is the second quarter in a row that daily active users, a key metric uh, for Facebook, daily active users in the U.S. and Canada fell. This is the second quarter in a row. This is not by a large amount. Uh, went from 196 million daily active users last quarter to 195. So percentage terms, we're not talking about a big drop. It's the second quarter in a row. At, at what point does that become a legitimate concern? That's a really good question because, you know, this is not a company, like you wanna be able to say like, wow, you know, the growth is gone, this is problematic, except that it's really not. Facebook is still growing revenue. They're still getting more from the users who are there, and they're going to continue to find creative ways to get more from the users who are there. Um, so I, I have no doubt about that. When does it become a problem? I think it becomes a problem when Facebook is having real issues in new territories, or it just can't find its way to get people more engaged. The the thing that Zuckerberg called out um, is that, and, and I've seen this before, he talks about iMessage, Apple iMessage, as kind of its own social network. And so when he calls out Apple, he says, hey, look, man, 
you know, messaging is in its own way a social network, and Apple has an interest here, and it's digging on us as the creator of Facebook Messenger and, and WhatsApp. So I think if the engagement numbers start to really fall off a cliff, irrespective of the users, that's when we start to get concerned. I don't think it shows up in the in the daily active users. I think it probably starts to show up in the revenue per active user. Tesla wrapped up the fiscal year with a little bit of a mixed bag. Fourth quarter revenue was close to $11 billion, but earnings per se were solidly lower than expected. Uh, shares down around 2%, which means in the past year, shares of Tesla are only up 600 35 percent uh, so you know let's pour one out for the tesla shareholders today um what stood out to you in this report or anything you heard out of tesla in terms of guidance for 2021 well i i think we already had the the numbers around vehicle deliveries and that's been very very impressive i think what tesla tesla has a way of seeding ground and saying hey look the Pay attention to this thing over here, our deliveries, and, and the delivery numbers we've already had, and they were very, very strong. So it's very easy for Tesla to deflect and say, don't worry about those earnings. I know we, we missed the target here, but there are moving parts, and they're right. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into Tesla earnings, like credits, uh, that you know impact what their earnings per share is going to be in any given any given quarter. The revenue number is legitimately slightly more more important here. So it doesn't surprise me that Tesla is down a little bit, but there were no glaring signals that Tesla is is in trouble. So I think I think that's interesting. Um, plus it's it is kind of refreshing, isn't it, Chris, that you know when we look at Elon Musk's shenanigans, they're actually about other companies now and not about Tesla. I mean, that more than anything else may be keeping Tesla's stock in, you know, a relative safe zone, like only down 2%. Musk is like aiming his shenanigans at other companies. <laughs> it's true. And it's, you know, I mean, I mean, we're, we're laughing about this. I don't think anyone should like. I think investors should take what we're saying very seriously about this. Like, do not discount Elon Musk. I'll just call it improved behavior yes. on conference calls, on Twitter. Do not discount that. That's what it doesn't show up in the balance sheet, but that is absolutely something that goes in the plus column for Tesla shareholders over the past year. No question. There is something to be said for the fact that when uh, Elon Musk, because it's, I guess this is the point I wanted to make here. It's not that Elon Musk has started to become like, it's not that he's, he's you know, fewer shenanigans. There are still shenanigans, except that now it's like, hey, I like Etsy. Right. Or you know when he's or when he's talking about GameStop, he he you know throws out a tweet that says hashtag GameStonk, and it it rallies the community in in a way that just creates absolute madness. So there are still Elon Musk shenanigans. They just aren't connected to Tesla in the same way that they were. 
Last thing on the business of Tesla, and we talked earlier about, in Apple's case, when they break out their revenue, one of the divisions is the, quote, other products. You look at the way Tesla breaks out their revenue, it's overwhelmingly automotive, but they do have the energy generation and storage division. They do have sort of services at all as a separate. Those two are tiny by comparison. Those two remind me of the much earlier days of the other products for Apple. Is that something uh, shareholders should be, I, I don't want to say concerned, uh, because that's that's. I don't think there's a reason to be concerned about that. I guess my question is, at what point does that start to become something that moves the needle for the overall business and therefore the stock? There, I think the thing that we want to watch as Tesla investors or all Tesla investors are watching is, what are the areas? It's um, I'll use a Google term here, but Tesla is making a lot of other bets, and those other bets can have a material impact on the way that the business uh, captures profit over time. So, for example, in the the energy generation business, every material improvement in battery life or battery efficiency has a dramatic effect, not just on the car business, but it has a dramatic effect on the energy storage and transmission business. So these are areas to watch and little gains can really add meaningfully over time. But I feel like this is one of those classic hockey stick type businesses, Chris, where you're going to see lots of small improvements, lots of small improvements, but then we hit one major battery breakthrough and then it starts to spike. Now, we may never get there. That's the problem, right? We just may never get there. But we want to watch each of these every quarter, the little improvements that they're making in things like battery investments. So this is why Tesla Battery Day got so much attention a few months ago. We're going to see more of that. But is it going to make a big difference in the short term? No. I think this is like the 10-year opportunity for Tesla. Tim Byers, always great talking to you. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for being as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. Show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.